0: I open your Bibles, please, to John chapter number 9. John chapter number 9. I, I do enjoy learning, and, and on these occasions, we recognize our graduates. I, I, I just get excited, and I thank the Lord. I, I praise the Lord for all those who have graduated from college, those who've gone through the kindergarten program. That's a great step for them. And of all those who graduated from the Bible Institute, thank the Lord for you. And the thing about it, in, in, in any of you in your chosen profession, whatever it is, you understand that the four years of college or two years of college or whatever you went through uh, as well as is, is my Bible training and my wife thought I was going to go to school forever and ever and ever and it uh, seemed like I did for a long time. But actually, all that's just the beginning. When you, when you go through a, a discipline study like that, that's just to help you to, to get a start in your education because whatever you're doing... Whether you're in medical profession or you're a farmer, if you're in construction, it's an ongoing process every day to learn. And I, I, I have so many different interests. I, I'm interested in just about everything that comes along. I like to learn things and pick up things. Some, some knowledge is absolutely useless, you know. Uh, there's, there's people said, uh, I heard somebody talking about the fellow who, who had a, a whole vast knowledge of useless information. And, uh, but some knowledge is just of interest to you. you, you maybe you, you like duck calling, or maybe you like sewing, or knitting, or uh, baking. And of course, that can be beneficial at the house, but uh, you, you have those type of interests. And that type of knowledge is something that's just of interest to you. And then there's some that's absolutely necessary for you to have in regard to your chosen profession, and your family. You need to have some knowledge of those things, and, and it's an ongoing process. But I want to remind you this morning, there's some things that every person needs to know. Now, everybody know how, doesn't know how, have to know how to set cabinets. Everybody doesn't know how to have to, you know, do, do bookkeeping, except for your personal work. Uh, everybody doesn't have to know how to do certain trades. But there are some things that every person in this building and everybody in the radio audience, there are some things that you absolutely need to know because you live on planet Earth. And I want to just preface all that by saying this. In in John chapter 9, there's this wonderful story. I I thought I might read 38 verses. I'm going to save you from having to listen to me read 38 verses. And I'll read just a verse here in a moment. But in in the presentation that uh, we do through the eyes of Peter, there's one scene where Jesus heals the blind man. That's what chapter 9 is about. Jesus meets this man that's blind. Been blind all of his life. And in uh, and, and, and his sovereign purpose, he, he makes clay and he puts it on his eyes and, and he heals him. And uh, after that, the religious Pharisees come and they question the man and then they question his parents. And they're trying to entrap Jesus in some way for what he did. He did on the Lord's day, on the, excuse me, on the Sabbath day. And they're just trying to find some, something to criticize about. But there's one little phrase in here that's always blessed me in a wonderful way. In chapter number 9 of the Gospel of John, will you look with me, please, at verse number 25. They've asked him, and let me read verse 24. They asked him in regard to Christ. Then again called they the man that was blind and said unto him, give God the praise We know that this man is a sinner. Now, they're talking about Jesus. These Pharisees were saying, we know Jesus is a sinner. But in verse 25, he answers. And he answered and said, whether he be a sinner or no, I know not. One thing I know, that whereas I was blind, now I see. You may not have all the answers, but you know that you can see. He said, I I can't explain it to you. I don't know all the theological terms. I'm not going to get into your religious debate. But I can just tell you this, whereas I was blind, now I can see. Now, a lot of people like to debate and argue about religious uh, items or religious thought. But the truth of the matter is the greatest testimony, the greatest argument for the power of the gospel is a transformed life. This building is full of that. This building is full of people who were lost and on their way to hell. And God saved them, made a difference. Brother Donnie Pierce is sitting here this morning, and he has cancer inside his body. But he said, I'm a winner either way. He said, I'm a a novelty. I'm a guinea pig over at UNC. They've never seen anything just exactly what I've got. He's got cancer inside his heart. But Donnie has a, a testimony. And he's testified to the physicians over there. And what they they can't explain physically about him, they certainly cannot deny what's happened to him spiritually, the difference in his life. And those who know him and, and all those around him know that God's done something. They cannot argue with that. There's some things that you absolutely need to know. Will you bow with me for just a word of prayer? Heavenly Father, I pray now the Holy Spirit of God will empower the Word of God. Our Father, I can do absolutely nothing without you. And God, I need your anointing and power. Fill me with the power of the Holy Ghost in these brief moments. God, thank you for the precious opportunity to preach the gospel around the world via the Internet. And our Father, because of your blessing us to allow us to be on the radio, I thank you, God, for the thousands this morning. And God, this morning, I want to ask your blessing on those of our mission teams who are out this morning in the ball fields preaching the gospel. I pray that moms and dads and boys and girls will come to know Christ as a result of that. And thank you for the wonderful privilege of preaching to this great crowd here in this building. Give me your anointing now, and I'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Some things that you absolutely must know. And if you will, write a few scriptures down and go back and look at them a little bit later. But the first thing I want to say to you that you really ought to know comes from the testimony of a man in the Old Testament. We talk about Job and we talk about all the suffering of Job and all that he went through and what an astounding witness and testimony he is. And God chose this man because uh, he wanted to demonstrate to all of us God's sustaining grace in the face of terrible difficulties, The Bible said in chapter one of Job, there was a day, and in that certain day, he lost all of his livelihood, he lost his animals, lost all of his livestock, lost most of his servants, and he lost his children all in one day. That some came from enemies from without, the fire fell on one group flock of animals and their servants and devoured them. His children were in a house of the elder, elder son and a great wind came and the roof fell and killed all them. Now, sometimes things happen in my life and your life that you look at and you say, well, the devil did that. But if fire falls from heaven and the wind comes, then you'd have to say God was in, in, in charge of all of that. And those are the things that you can't understand or can't explain. And so a lot of things Job did not understand he didn't quite comprehend and, and, and nobody could, but he does know something. And in, when times come like that in your life, those unexplainable things, those difficult times in, in Job chapter 19, verse 25, write that verse down. Here's what Job said. I know that my Redeemer liveth and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. And though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God. Here's some things that you ought to know. You ought to know that your Redeemer liveth. In 1 John chapter 5 and verse 24, he said this, These things have written unto you that you might know, that ye have eternal life. Now, you may not know how to do math. You may not know how to conjugate a verb. You may not know how to do heart surgery. But every person in this building and every person in the sound of my voice must know beyond any shadow of a doubt that your Redeemer liveth. He's got to be your personal Redeemer. You say, well, I believe the Bible. That's not good enough. You say, I believe in God. That's not good enough. You say, well, I, I, I respect and I honor the Lord. You know what the Bible said? The Bible said the devil trembles. The devil trembles, but he's not saved. A lot of people have a reverence for the things of God, but you've never trusted Christ as your Savior. He that hath the Son hath life. And you need to know that your Redeemer liveth. You need to know that you're saved beyond any shadow of a doubt. You need to know that. Notice what it says in 2 Timothy, in chapter 1 and verse 12, if you want to turn there, in 2 Timothy and in chapter... Uh, Chapter 1 and verse 12. Listen to the testimony of the Apostle Paul as he testifies. For the which cause I also suffer. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed and am persuaded. He's able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. You need to know not only that your Redeemer lives and that you're saved. But you need to know that he's able to keep that which you've committed unto him. He's able. I'm not able to do So many things. I remember when I was in Roanoke Rapids, we had a dear man in our church named Freddie Cullum. He taught the adult Bible class and he was a good man. His body was stricken with a a crippling disease. And he, he got to where he had to use crutches and then he was in a wheelchair. And then he got to where he was hardly able to come to church. He finally ended up in the hospital up here in Raleigh. And I remember in a revival we had, always in revival, we'd have some testimony times and Freddie would always give a wonderful testimony. And so our pastor went to the, came to the hospital in Raleigh from Roanoke Rapids and recorded Freddie's testimony because the doctors had said he had just a short time to live and this was our, our, our revival would soon be over. And Freddie wanted to share testimony with his church family. And here's what he said. He said, friends, He said, God's been so good to me. He said, I've tried to hold on to the Lord. I've I've tried to keep my faith. I've been reading the Bible and he said, but of late, I've gotten too weak to read. He said, I've tried to pray earnestly and hold on to God. And he said, be honest with you. He said, I've gotten too tired to pray and my thoughts don't stay uh, together. And he said, I, I'm, just, I'm just so sick. And he said, just this, this morning, he said, I was awfully low. And he said, the chaplain just happened to come in. God sent him in at the right time. And he always greeted me every day. And he said, Freddie, how you doing? I'd say, I'm holding on, I'm holding on. And he said this morning when the doctor came in, Freddie said, I said he said, How are you doing, Freddie? And he said he said, Preacher, he said, I'm afraid I can't hold on any longer. And you know what he said? He said, Freddie You don't have to hold on to him; he's a holding on to you. The Bible said that no man's able to pluck you out of the Father's hand. He said he's got you. You don't have to hold on to him; he's a holding on to you. And I'll tell you one thing: you'd better know that he's able to keep that which you've committed unto him against that day. There come a day that you won't be able to hold on; you won't be able to exercise your faith like you ought to. But you better recognize the fact that when you can't hold on, he's a holding on to you. Amen. Thank God. Listen, I know that my Redeemer liveth. And I know that he's able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. And in Romans chapter 7, verse 18, write that verse down. You know it well. And it says this. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. You'd better know that because I promise you everybody in this building will have some things that come into your life that are not good. You won't be able to explain it. there's no biblical explanation for it and and I've been pastoring some 40 something years now and things happen to my friends and to my church family and I cannot explain to you why. I don't understand it all because there are things that, that I cannot say this is a good thing. In fact, he didn't say it was a good thing. He just simply said all things work together for good. To them that love the Lord. I know that, Paul said, and you'd better know that, because you'll go through some times that are difficult, and there'll be bad things that happen to good people. And you need to know, regardless of your chosen profession, regardless of your educational background, you'll have to recognize that God's in control and that all things do work together for good to them who love God through those who call according to his purpose. He's got a plan for your life. It may not be what you had planned, but he's got a plan. And, he, and listen, you ought to know that your Redeemer liveth. You ought to know that he's able to keep that that you committed unto him. And you ought to know that all things work together for good to them that love the Lord. And then Paul said this again. I gave you the wrong reference. 828 is that verse. But in, in Romans chapter 7 verse 18, he said this. He said, I know that in me that is my flesh dwelleth no good thing. Paul, who wrote 14 books of this Bible in the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God, testified that in me there's no good thing. Now, you better learn that. You need to know that there's no good thing inside of you. You need to understand that without him you can do nothing. Because you may have somewhat success in your life. You may, you may achieve financial security or you may achieve this, that, and the other. But you need to live regardless of your station, regardless of your uh, 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 achievements. You need to always be mindful that there's no good thing in you and that you are what you are by the grace of God and that God has brought you where you are and God will keep you where you are and God to carry you on. In regard to ministry, you need to remember that. I, my good friend, Dr. Bobby Robertson, up at Gospel Light Baptist Church in Walkertown, this morning he probably has three or 4,000 people that he's preaching to and there's a church there. Brother Bobby, uh, God blessed that church and went through many struggles and battles in the early ministry, but God blessed and it grew to be the largest church in Saint North Carolina at one point in time. Brother Bobby has an eighth grade education and he, he said he looked one time and he said a great crowd out there gathered and said he went in his office and he prayed and he said, God, he said, you're going to have to get somebody else to pastor this crowd. He said, I can't do this. I can't take care of all of them. And he's all these people out there, Lord, I can't take care of them. And he said, "I've I, I brought it this far, this as far as I can go." And he said, "You know what the Lord said to me?" He said, "Bob is no such thing." He said, you didn't do all this. You didn't bring all this crowd in here. He said, I did that. You're not responsible for them. I am. And he said, I can take care of 5,000. He said, I can take care of 500. And he said, Bobby, I just need you to recognize you can't do a thing but just to yield yourself to me, and I'll use you for, his, for my glory. My dear friend, I don't care where you are in your life. You need never get away from this truth. This man who wrote 14 books of the Bible testifies, I know that in me that is my flesh dwelleth no good thing. There's, no, there's nothing good in us. And that keeps us from being prideful in our spiritual development. I mean, here you are, and, and you've been faithful in your Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. You're studying the Word of God. You know the Word of God. You live in the Word of God. But my dear friend, listen, you must recognize this, that you are what you are by the grace of God. And always know, and it always keep us humble to the place that God's able. I'll just share this with you quickly. I was talking to somebody the other day, and we was talking about God working, and blessing in this beautiful building, all this facility. And by the way, Pastor Tom Wagner was here, and he looked at the set, and he said, he's blown away, blown away. He said, man, I've seen churches uh, four three times this big do production and didn't have such a beautiful set as y'all have got in here. That's awesome. But listen, I, we were talking about this church, and I said, you know, we came from across the road. And I said, the Sunday I got re- preaching this pulpit for the first time, I went in my closet. I didn't pick out an orange Church. I, I was going to wear a white shirt at least the first Sunday. And so I, I, found, I had a, a brand-new shirt, brand-new shirt to preach in this brand-new auditorium for the very first time. And I almost put it on. And inside my, my closet is, a, is a, a, a white shirt that I've had for several years now. And it's got a little tear right here in this arm. About, about, it's where I flexed my muscles one time and just busted it. And... <laughs> But it's a, y'all. that's why y'all get blessed, you don't believe nothing. But (laughs) anyway, I I had, it it has a tarry in it. And I reached to get the new shirt and I, I said, I reached and took that old shirt. I preached all over the country with that shirt with my coat on. And I put, that's what I wore the first Sunday in this church. I put it on on purpose. Because I wanted God to keep us all mindful that without him we can do nothing. It's him. I want you. Listen. You need to know that there's no good thing in you. Psalms 56 verse 9. David makes this testimony. He says this. I know that God is for me. You ought to know that. You need to know that God is for you. He he says this in the book of Isaiah. Will will a mother forsake her sucking child, a nursing child? Would a mother abandon a baby like that? Oh yeah, they do that all the time. But he said, I will never forsake thee. And you need to know that God's for you. You need to know that he loved you so much he gave his son for you. And when everything else has fell apart around you, all your family, your friends, and everybody else deserts you, you need to know this. He's for you. He's for you. He loves you. And he loves you with an everlasting love. First John chapter 3 that says this, And we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. We, you ought to know Jesus is coming again. And you ought to know that you're going to be like him when he gets here. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1, it says this. And we know if this earthly tabernacle be dissolved, we have a ta- an earthly, a heavenly one in heaven. And he goes on in that 5th chapter of Second Corinthians, and he says this. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, which is far better. You need to know. You need to know that you're saved. You need to know that your Redeemer lives. You need to know that there's no good thing in you. You need to know that all things work together for good to them that love the Lord. You need to know that Jesus is coming again and you'll be like Him. And you need to know that when it comes time to die, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. With the Lord. I was talking with one of our precious members this week and they were talking about a little child and they were talking about, now you, you want to learn something about the Bible? You want to learn something about God? You hang around these kids. Because they'll ask you questions you never even thought about. They'll ask you. They'll put you on the spot. But anyhow, talking about death. You know what death is? It's simply this. It's simply going to be with Jesus. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Now, you've got somebody that lives over here on Elevation Road. You've got a relative that lives up in Garner. You may have one that lives in North Raleigh. You may even have a relative that lives above Richmond, Virginia. I've got you on my prayer list. But anyway, you may, wherever they live, they're your family. And they may live here or they may live there. But some people live real close to you. But some of them live a good ways away. Some maybe I've got good friends. I was thinking about this morning, my good friend, Brother Tom Feliciano. Now it's about midnight in the Philippines and he and, and, and his family and all the folk there and Brother David and his wife and, and all of them and others that we have got to know halfway around the world. On my refrigerator, I've got a picture of a young lady who used to play the piano for us in Reidsville and she married a young man, God called them into mission work. They're missionaries in Australia. But they're friends of ours. I've never visited them. I thought what a joy it would be one time to go visit with them. So you've got friends and you've got family that live some of them far away. And you've got some who live in heaven. That's what heaven's all about. But you need to know 100% sure that when you die you're going to heaven. Do you know that? We know this. Paul said we know this. John said we know this. We know it. Do you know it? Not I hope so, not maybe so, not I'm trying, but do you know that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Do you know that? Let's bow together for prayer this morning with every head bowed, every eye closed for just a brief moment. I'm gonna ask you a question. There's so many things you don't know and I don't I don't know. I, I, I love to read. I I I mean I'm just different subjects. I it doesn't matter to me. I love history. Uh, certain fictions I like to read, current events, I, I just like to read. I like to talk to people who who have different occupations and different different things they do and just fascinating to me I, I, I marvel I have such hold in such high esteem people who in in their chosen profession have have trained and learned and I mean they 're gifted they 're gifted in so many areas. I I was thinking about Brother David playing the three-stringed instruments and now the beautiful playing of the piano with the 88 keys. And I I thought, what a gift, what a blessing. It's amazing. But of all the things you know, a hundred years from now, none of that will really matter. There's one thing that you need to know now that'll make all the difference in the world a hundred years from now. And that is you need to know that you're saved. Do you know that? If you know that this morning with a very grateful heart, would you raise your hand and say, I know I'm saved and heaven's my home. Every head's bowed, our eyes closed. But just to the Lord, we acknowledge that. Brother David said a while ago he wants to sing to the Lord right now. Would you just acknowledge by lifting your hand and thank him for saving you. And you know that heaven's your home. God bless you. You may put your hands down. I wonder if you're here this morning, a visitor, a guest, or maybe you've been coming for a long time. You may be a member of this church, but you do not know that you're going to heaven. You need to know that. That's the one thing that you must know. That's the most important thing in the world, to know that you're saved. Would you raise your hand and say, Preacher, I don't know that, but I sure would like to. Preacher, will you pray for me? Let me assure you, if you're a visitor or guest, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to try to trick you to come down the aisle. I'm not going to try to corner you up out in the vestibule. I'm going to do exactly what I said. I'm going to pray for you right now. But you say, Preacher, if I died right now, I'm not sure I'd go to heaven. But I'd like to know that I'm saved. Would you raise your hand right up? Nobody will sit but me and God. And let me acknowledge you in prayer this morning. Across the building, I'm looking to my right. Across the building, thank you. Somebody else, God bless you. You're here this morning. Say, preacher, if I died now, I don't know I'd go to heaven, but I'd sure like to know that. Others? God bless you. How many of you this morning say, preacher? I'm going through some things I simply do not understand. But I know whom I have believed, and I'm persuaded that He's able to keep that that I've committed to Him. And I, I know that all things work together for good. But would you pray for me right now while I'm going through these times that I simply do not understand? And I need you to pray and need God's people to pray for me in those days. Would you raise your hand? No, I'm saying, so, oh, listen so many God's people we go through those times we go through those times I remind you what Job said Job said I go forward he's not there behind me he's not there to the left to the right I can't find him but I know that he knows the way that I take I want to remind you that there's nothing wrong with you if you don't know him you can't or you can't find him you can't feel him right now if you're walking by faith and not by sight it's it's what we go through as believers sometime but I want you to know God knows and I want you to know we love you we're praying for you let's stand together will you Heavenly Father I ask now the Holy Spirit of God to do what I cannot do God I pray you convict of sin righteous judgment for our dear friends who raise their hand not sure that they're saved God nothing's more important this morning than them knowing that they're saved and God I pray for every young person for every child for every adult and God this morning if there's a question mark I pray God they'd come I pray, God, that they'd receive Christ as Savior and Lord. I pray, God, for God's people this morning. That, God, those who've gone through those dark days, they don't understand why things are happening like they are. I pray, God, that you would, Lord, move in a very special way in their life. And, God, I'll thank you and praise you for doing that now in Jesus' name.